0: There's also a lot of movement that is different from normal consciousness because it can actually be that the movement is to not move, right? It's not towards something or away from something. It's with what's here, Mm -hmm. with what's real and not trying to do anything with it, manipulate it, whatever, just sit there and let it impact you and see the, the truth of it
1: welcome to this thing called movement a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity and self-expression join me as i dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds together we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences the transformations that resulted and how movement has affected their lives at large I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life, in your own way. Hello, everyone. I am really excited to share this episode of this thing called Movement with you all. I have brought on guest Miriam Van Groen, an incredible woman I actually got to meet through my friend Tim Brainerd, and she specializes in a practice called guided tripping. And what this means is that Miriam facilitates sessions using psychedelic substances with people where these are used as an integration method with the subconscious rather than purely for recreational use. And I was really fascinated with her work and specifically wanted to get into how it ties into the movement of consciousness, whether it is conscious or subconscious within us. And I'm so glad she came on for this episode because we got to talk about so many different exciting things. One of the principal thoughts that continued to come up was the default mode network in our consciousness, which is basically sort of the autopilot program we run, whether we're aware of it or not. We also talked about the importance of honoring the body. Miriam had a very specific story with burnout and how that affected her and her movement journey. And again, another big word that comes up a lot in our conversation is the concept of integration. And we talk about integration through the lens of her work with these substances and integrating lost parts of ourselves through consciousness and then how that also plays into the mind body psyche connection how that plays into movement and many other aspects of our lives so i'm gonna leave it there because we talked about a lot but i hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as i did it was really wonderful having miriam on with us and for now just go ahead and sit back relax tune in and enjoy So, Miriam, Hi. we're so good to have you here with us today. And I didn't even try and pronounce your last name because oh. I know I would totally <laughs> mutilate it. So, why don't you go ahead and introduce
0: us for the audience? All right. So, um, my name is Miriam van Groen. Van Groen. Groen. Yeah, Groen. <laughs> Which is uh, green in Dutch. Oh. Ah. So, um I am a trip guide. Ah. Which, you know, a psychedelic trip guide in this case. So I'm not a, a tour guide or a travel person. It's inner travel. Yeah.
1: You know. Traveling of consciousness. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you and I have actually recently been connected. Mm. Um, but I was just so fascinated by l- just even hearing a little bit in terms of what you're describing about the work mm. you do. And one of the ways I always like my guests to introduce themselves and their work on the podcast is actually to kind of take us uh, on the journey that you've been on to get to the point Mm -hmm. you're at. And I always call this like the movement journey. And this might take on many different shapes and forms given your work.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we're talking, if if, you know, I've told this story quite a few times, but if we're talking from the embodiment angle, I guess I would say I grew up as a basically a head on a stick. I very much um, was praised for and started to identify with my intellect as Uh my main source of identity. Um, And uh, yeah, my body was just a thing that kind of got me from here to there and functional and... Um, I only kind of paid attention to it if I if it was you know like sick or being, a man. <laughs> <laughs> All the audio was failing. Yeah. <laughs> also, I didn't very much feel like a woman. I didn't particularly identify with being a woman. Mm-hmm. Only on the dance floor, mm-hmm. there the hips and the things, and it would be very clear that I was a woman. Um, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh. After uh, I think. I worked as a university teacher for seven years and while I was doing that I did a lot of self-development uh, personal development, different types of workshops yoga, finally starting to be like oh, I can, you know, my body is something I can be nice to and, it can, and it's been very very supportive to me Thank mm-hmm. you <laughs> Yes, Good. thank you for Nice <laughs> well done. Yeah, so that was a bit of a journey and um at the same time I was uh, with a bunch of friends we would have a couple of times a year go to a festival or a party or to one of our places and have some psychedelics and that would be really nice um, and I started to notice that this personal development work and those psychedelic experiences are starting to inform each other mm. and so I was you know, kind of by accident doing exercises from these workshops while I was like tripping out and it was very fun and it stuck. I was talking about that to a friend and he was very interested and he said, you know, I have wanted to do something like that for a very long time. Would you please sit with me? So um, because we knew each other from one of these um, uh, methods, which is called circling and it's like a relational meditation, very much mindfulness, but in connection with yourself, with the moment, Mm -hmm. with your body, with each other. And uh, so I couldn't really just sit with him. We circled, I circled him, Mm -hmm. as as we call that. And it was a very powerful experience from him. It was a super fun experience for me. And he was so enthusiastic that he started sending me people even this, even though it was just not really something I was doing, you know? Yeah. And he's like, no, this is important. You got to do this. Okay. Um, I just, that's not a real job. <laughs> <laughs> people don't do this. <laughs> right. And so after a while, I, well, then burnout happened, which is also a very embodied <laughs> experience in its own right. Um so I just couldn't really do much of anything. I really reevaluated my life um, and started seeing and realizing that w- the, one of the reasons I was burnt out was I could not bring my entire self to my job. Mm-hmm. so I had to be this, that intellectual part um, and this very sort of like powerful presence in front of the room. Um, but a lot of me was not really I needed to check that at the door, right? Yeah. I think this is an experience that many people have is you have to check part of yourself at the door of mm. your office building or whatever, you know, your place of work. Because either we tell ourselves or it's very obviously not welcome there. And so this just kept banging on my door, like, Go do this, go do this. Mm. So that's what I ended up doing. It's what I um uh, what I do for a living now is sit with people while they explore their inner worlds yeah um with the help of uh, this very special substance that we have no idea how how and why it does what it does yet but that it does it is becoming more and more clear Mm -hmm. so um, yeah and you you have a particular substance you prefer to work with correct well yes so in in holland where i come from um the netherlands i'm supposed to say because holland is just two of the twelve provinces The Netherlands. The Netherlands. (laughs) I always f it up anyway, so don't bother. Um, But there, and so uh, magic truffles are legal there, which Ah. is wonderful. You can just like go to a smart shop and buy a box with a sell-by date on it, and this little, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole is very just it's grown and um, and sold legally, um, which is very very nice. So Mm -hmm. I can just. Um, do that yeah which is great (laughs) so people actually travel uh quite you know i've had people from the u.s i've had people from all over europe come uh, to work to work with me yeah Mm -hmm.
1: you know it's so fascinating this was the big thing that jumped out to me meeting you and you're like oh i helped I do guided tripping, I help people, and I help facilitate and create a container for these experiences, which in America, you only see happening recreationally and also illegally. And we're in this interesting phase right now, where like, thanks to a few people in particular, Michael Pollan, one of them, which you got to meet. (laughs) Um, There's been a sort of re-entry of interest into these substances and Mm -hmm. we're not so quick to judge them based off of old historic circumstances or i don't even i'm not even sure i fully understand Uh, what what put these drops into the bad camp you know because it just to me it's like you watch the effect alcohol has on the body on on the psyche and on so like social constructs and our world and i look at that and i I even compare just to marijuana and like it's like, well, how did that one get through yeah. and the this one's illegal yeah. when you, we can like kind of generally say yeah. that there's there is a more favorable tone in terms of like what that substance use looks like with different substances
0: you say it very beautifully um, <laughs> yeah, this is true what is one of those things that they say is you know if alcohol were invented now it would never get FDA from <laughs> 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 but yeah, so there's it's it's there's this thing where it's very much not only fact-based, you know, the kind of you know label that that substances get, and so actually in the fifties it was looked upon very favorably, like this magical thing that um, when it was quote unquote rediscovered, um, psilocybin in particular, so magic mushrooms, and then you know LSD happened, um, and basically. The backlash, I would say, Michael Pollan says this way better, read the book, <laughs> change your mind, it's brilliant. Um, he, uh, yeah, so the, Timothy Leary was one of the people, you know, we, we all know the name, he was one of the people that stopped, that kind of threw caution to the wind and was just like, just have at it, people, mm-hmm. have at it. Mm-hmm. and. Until that time, people were a little more, in the, in the scientific world, at least a little more apprehensive and be like, okay, you know, set and setting, very important. And so then, you know, shit happened and that got blown out of proportion. Uh, you know, the whole story of people looking into the sun until they went blind. I don't know. Maybe that happened like half a time. Right? Yeah. But it's one of those things that is such a powerful image that it really sticks with people and it's like, you go weird, you go crazy, you don't come back from it. That just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen unless you're super stupid about it.
1: Well, not Mm -hmm. to mention, like, look at the metrics of the scale of, like, yes, like, whenever you're on substances, there's going to be a certain percentage where things go wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what happens with alcohol, like, things go wrong all the time, like, like, uh, horrific things. And, Mm -hmm. And, but they've been so normalized just by the time that we've been, you know, working with this substance legally that then you can like look at another substance an alternative substance Mm -hmm. have a a
0: visual like that and have it be enough to like completely squash usage of it yes (laughs) yeah yeah and so it kind of got lumped together with narcotics and things that have uh yeah way worse effects on uh, on the human mind it's like when people say Drugs that include, you know, oh, the, mm-hmm. what is it? Don't do drugs, drugs are bad. Okay? Yeah, or like they would
1: always have the infographic of like your brain on drugs it, and it melting and like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not all the
0: drugs. <laughs> yeah, so that differentiation is starting to come back again, that discernment into the public eye. And then there's the, the studies at Johns Hopkins and other universities with psilocybin. Um, for instance, people quitting smoking with it, people um, that have end-of-life anxiety because they have um, uh, a cancer diagnosis and, you know, it's just, they're not going to get cured anymore. And they just stop being afraid of death, mm. which, you know, I, I imagine makes that end-of-your-life more pleasant. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, and then MDMA now with, with post-traumatic stress disorder, which, of course, especially here in the U.S., is a huge problem of people coming back from, from war, but also uh, complex post-traumatic stress, which is not about one instance, but is something that has settled in your body over time, mm-hmm. for instance, prolonged sexual abuse or physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's showing great promise, and uh, you know the final stages of FDA approval for MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, which is very exciting. Ooh. Like in a few more, in a few years, we might sit here in a very different context oh, legally yay. speaking. So that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. Indeed.
1: You know, it's funny because I actually I went through a very rigorous academic program in high school, the International Baccalaureate program, mm-hmm. which you might be familiar with out in Europe mm-hmm. um, but I specialized in chemistry and one of the sections of our coursework was actually about drugs mm-hmm. and, and they, they, they actually said drugs as like all drugs whether they are mm-hmm. pharmaceutical exactly. or illegal and we yeah. learned about all of them and I remember learning about illegal drugs and narcotics and, mm-hmm. and then also learning the distinctions between several of them, like what the half-life looks like on cocaine versus marijuana, and then the fact that LSD actually changes your brain chemistry. And I remember learning about that, and that was actually, in some ways, a very helpful lens for me to gauge what was going on with drugs in the world, especially the bad ones. Uh, But I remember being so terrified at the thought of something changing your brain chemistry. That was like a very terrifying word whereas now when i'm hearing lsd is coming back and microdosing and uh is it psychosilocybin am i pronouncing that correctly psilocybin Psilocybin. yeah so just psilocybin um but that in fact that turns out to be an enormous benefit especially if you're locked into these patterns people have described it as kind of like a reset it allows their brain and body to get restored back to like a neutral chemical balance where they're yeah. not too skewed on one end of the spectrum yeah. or another, yeah. which is usually the loop people are stuck in when they're feeling depressed or anxious yeah. and overly stressed and it just like they can't get out. Yeah. And so it's just so interesting to me to remember that fear of something permanently changing the brain
0: yeah. or not,
1: or like that it makes yeah. changes in brain chemistry. And now to like be able to see that on the other side
0: is like maybe we need more of this. Yeah. Some changes are good. (laughs) Wow, that's a very nice thing to hear, actually. Yeah, it's one of those things that over time, and as people are getting different kinds of messages about these substances, um, we're definitely in a period now where, um, yeah, the news reports, you know, there's a lot of like, ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, It's more like that now, with and the research validating all these things and the carefulness that everybody that I've heard talk about this in any kind of media, and I hope this includes myself, is very like, okay, yeah, that sounds really beautiful and promising, but take care of X, Y, and Z, and this is not, you know, not a wholesale kind of blanket, silver bullet thing. Yeah. That we're talking about here, and there are some precautions that are very important to take. There are contraindications for each of these substances um, that you need to take heed of. I, you know, I heard of someone who had a heart condition, and nobody told her that MDMA is not a good idea then. And so she had like palpitations and this super, oh super scary experience because everybody else was off their rocker as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> nobody <laughs> felt really like available to, mm-hmm. or was aware of how, how serious that was for mm-hmm. her. So those kinds of things are just really preventable. That's what yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say with these, is the, the, the precautionary principle of take care of a few things. Well, you know, Before to you this. Yeah.
1: also to like honor what this process is mm-hmm. and everything it invites in, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're if you look, you have to actually have respect for the changes that are being made, or yeah. like respect for the process. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is an interesting tie, in I'm just gonna jump off this yeah. because it's in Go my head. It. But this is like my biggest frustration when it comes to people engaging with their physical bodies. Yeah. It's a complete lack of respect mm-hmm. for the body. For its inherent wisdom, Mm -hmm. and just for the fact that any time you're moving, you're literally taking in, like, so much information on so many different levels, and the second you're willing to have honor for it and to respect it for doing that, like, that that integration and that assimilation of that information becomes so much more powerful. And, And I wonder, just like, you know, if this is how people now live we're like we don't really have honor for mm-hmm. these basic ways that we inter- interact with other people that we interact with things substances ourselves mm-hmm. and, and i'm actually really curious because you did mention that like what took you on this journey was self-development and that you noticed your experiences here were helping with that mm-hmm. do you have any particular uh standout memories or Components that are very striking in terms of mm. the parallels there.
0: Um, I just want to say that as you're talking about, you know, these things in respect to it, like, I just feel my 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 body is very happy that you say that. It's like this <laughs> very like, oh yeah, <laughs> this, this bumpy thing. It's very pleasant right now, so yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I guess in a way also my from my personal perspective, These psychedelic experiences have very much been ones of pleasure. I think for a very long time, because my body, I saw my body as something very utilitarian, and also, you know, that whole being a woman thing, not really sure about it, and, you know, that can also kind of get you in trouble. Pleasure can get you in trouble. Yeah, Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) So there was like, I I was a little standoffish about the pleasure thing. And it was really kind of a a reclaiming Mm -hmm. of uh, my body over time as as a part of me that deserved pleasure and that could generate pleasure. And that that was a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, in, these, in these experiences, your physical awareness of yourself is just going to be very different. Like things are going to just feel really good. <laughs> and um, I, I had someone say a few weeks ago, oh, it's feel-good time. <laughs> like, yes, applause, applause yeah. for that. And for instance, another thing that happens a lot is uh, people start shaking. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. with, with psilocybin, this happens a little less, but on MDMA, you know, for the ravers, it's a well-known thing that your teeth start clackering, clack- chattering, you know, yeah, and the, yeah, bl- yeah, thing and the grinding, but in each of these, it's possible that your body is going to be like, okay, here's some stored trauma, let's shake it out, mm-hmm. right, so shaking is very much, or making involuntary movements, or repeating certain movements, or just like involuntarily your hips, or whatever, Right. My friend who's a therapist says the moment your default mode network shuts down, which is one of the things that chemically starts to happen in your brain, is that thing that your autopilot basically, your ego, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. the thing that runs the show without you even realizing that you're making decisions mm-hmm. about how to look at the world, that kind of tones down and then something knocks at the door. I'm a very much a trusted process kind of person. The thing that knocks and asks for attention when that happens is the thing to pay attention to that's what ah. we're doing mm. so when people start feeling they like things like their chest can open if you're talking about embodiments there was this one person who just started off really like this kind of crawled into and into herself and very like i don't know i don't don't look at me yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm trying to be as not here as possible. Yeah. And oh, and that, as as the day progressed, it was like thing, oh <laughs> And she was talking and talking. It was very beautiful. She's like all this, all this stuff was coming out. She was shaking a little bit, but just very much like taking space. Oh very gosh. beautiful. And, you know, noticeable. She was also like, wow, I don't do this. (laughs) Ah. And then toward the end, when it started, there was a little bit of going back to what she was used to. But there was still a little bit more of this face, a lot opener. Mm -hmm. It stayed that way, actually. Like when I met her for an integration session, which is always part of the deal uh, with me is uh, I, I walked into this cafe where we had um, met and there was this woman kind of waving at me and I'm like it must be her <laughs> <laughs> she looks so different. <laughs> ah. it, was, it was really kind of it was really beautiful and there's so much tension we store in mm-hmm. all these pla- people have had like oh there's this sense of like a a clothespin that's kind of like keeping me on like the dry cleaner's rack and yeah. I'm just going around <laughs> and around and, and it's a it, meat <laughs> hook like, like oh. yeah exactly. And um, so people have these beautiful images about what's going on in their body and metaphors with it and and recognizing, like, oh, that thing that I find so annoying that always plays up and that I don't know what it's about. Now I know what it's about because it's talking to me. Mm. It's telling me what it's about. Mm. Because, you know, this is turned down enough for me to be able to hear it.
1: So Um, it's, from what you're describing, it almost sounds to me like, you know, that substance gives you the space to calm down and feel yeah. safe enough yeah. to encounter the one thing yeah. at that moment that you've probably been
0: shutting away and running yeah. away from for yeah. a long time. Yeah, either consciously like, oh, not this shit. Yeah. you know, or so much of a blind spot that you're not even aware you're doing anything anymore. Mm. Um, and it's you know, both of those things happen, and they're they're all beautiful and. I don't know how, it's its slightly different for everybody. Everybody's story is different, everybody's strategy of dealing with the stuff that happens to you as a child, the, the, the stories you make up about that, the meaning you make of that, the places you store, the mm-hmm. things that happen to you that you don't really know what to do with mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, it's slightly different, but basically what people find out time and time again is, oh, there's a positive intention behind that mm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's usually like trying to keep me safe. It's protecting me from such and such. It's making sure this and that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's it's like I, I've been calling it a reckoning, mm. right? Like, oh, that's what happened. Right. That's why I do this. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. I'm, you know the, it can that can come to you be in in these very left field kind of ways mm-hmm. um and you open yourself up to the possibility of of that new perspective that um that's what you do and that's what I hope I you know as you say provide a container for yeah. that to happen yeah i love that you were describing like what happens even
1: with the body because i've experienced this in my own life watching how different i look and and even like like visually people sometimes not recognize me from different phases of my life because of like the shifts I've made and and it's so fascinating when you start to look at movement I've even been playing around in my own movement practice to play around with like just movement of like facial muscles or like subtle movements of the hands and like playing around with that and it's like you know like when people let go and they can really transform that movement shifts in all sorts of unexpected places like it'll shift in how your face carries itself like like how you age how your body reorganizes Mm -hmm. i mean i i've said this on a few episodes before that movement is like the universal language of life and Mm -hmm. whether we are paying attention to it or not (laughs) we whether we are aware of it or not Mm -hmm. that's the place we're actually getting most of our information and we're reading it in all those subtle cues of how somebody someone's face is held where their head is positioned like what are they leading with in a conversation what are they pulling away from and uh the more the more you can like seek to pay attention to that you know and or pay attention to any of those yeah. signals whether it is in your consciousness whether it's that little thing knocking on the door <laughs> uh, or just even noticing when you get stiffness in your body like what is this saying as opposed to be like oh a stupid shoulder like why are you bothering me get shut, with up. The shut up shut <laughs> 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 up not right now this is annoying
0: like go away oh man i said not right now to my body so many times that at some point it was like okay like i'm done asking nicely <laughs> We're we're on the couch for three months. That's what we're doing now. Wow! <laughs> really? What happened? Yeah, that's the that was the burnout. I just my brain. Somebody described it, which I really loved, as like, oh, it mean good, but like their brain shrinking to the size of a matchbox. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. I could not string three thoughts together. I was super tired. Um, basically, luckily. Um, it was a well-known, it's a well-known thing in education that people burn out um, in Holland at least, it's like 21% or something. It's like the highest oh, wow. ranking uh, job type for that particular type of illness, mm-hmm. shall we say. Mm-hmm. So they're very used to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, the company doctor was like, okay, here's your prescription. You get dressed in the morning, you go for two walks of 15 minutes, and that's it. Wow. That's your day. <laughs> and it was it was good like i wasn't pushing myself to do anything else it was really like rest was not optional anymore mm. and so i really learned to tune into my to the signals of my body much better and i was like really kind of shocked and shamed by how much i had been pushing those signals aside yeah and um i think that's what happens for a lot of people in um, in these sessions, as well as uh, their mind quiets down enough for them to tune into their body, and then they're like, "Does it always give off all this information?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. It's just where you point your receptors, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and if yeah. if you're living in the stress state and you're always in go go go, you're never going to be able to hear the softer signals. Mm. Um, you know, New York's a tough place too because there's mm. just like
0: a. I've been noticing that. <laughs> yeah,
1: that like it's almost a judgment if you're one of those people who's not gonna hustle that hard. Yeah. Like, like it's a it's a bit of a competition. It's a bit yeah. of a game. Like, who can like suffer yeah. more? And like, you know, and if you're not like, then you must not care, or like somebody yeah. else cares more than you. And it's it's just been so refreshing for me to step out of that and just be like. I'm somebody who needs my rest yeah. and, and to prioritize that and like to be able to say no to things, even if I wanted to do that because like I'm listening to myself and in doing that to like the absolute maximum capacity I can the last three months, it's been so revolutionary and life-changing because if this is really the first time where like I'm 100% making decisions just for myself, not for any other reason, person, thing. It's been, and I've I've been blown away because then everything's just felt so much more fun. Mm -hmm. Everything's felt more beautiful. Everything feels more integrated too. You know, and like you were talking about pleasure earlier, like everything feels pleasurable now. Everything is just, it's like I'm on this lifelong trip of being high on life.
0: Very good. Oh man, there's so many little things I could hook into about what you just shared. The high on life thing I guess I want I wanna go for first. Yes. is that uh, one of the things that people are like, "Oh, I feel so good, but it's gonna go away again because it's a drug. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, one of the, I, I mentioned the integration sessions as well a little bit is that one of the things that makes this different from recreational use is integration so you have an intention beforehand that's number one to explore something not to fix something or change something but to explore something huh what is this about let's bring our curiosity that makes stuff already so much different like than the energy of fixing if you just like feel what the word fix does like and what the word explore does yeah right it's very very different energy um So an explorative intention and then guidance to help you, because everything's interesting. (laughs) Mm. Um, So it's like, okay, so can we bring that woe to Mm -hmm. inside, Mm -hmm. bring that inside, and hopefully deepening that a little bit with Mm. questions to, and, and my own kind of, you know, I get images when people talk about their experience and see if that's helpful or fitting for them. Um, those kinds of things to be like really there with them on their exploration. Um, and then integration. So, no, this is not just now and because of this substance. You can feel this way, right? We're, we're laying new tracks in your brain, and then it's up to you to follow those tracks, widen mm-hmm. those tracks, deepen those tracks. Yeah. And after a while, they might even become part of your default mode network. Yeah. Which it sounds like you've been doing. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's where the difference is. Um, where So it doesn't become what our uh, friend Michael Pollan would call a weird drug experience. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the rest of my life. Uh. So really bringing that in, practicing that, going, okay, so what does that look like in my day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. How am I going to strengthen these new pathways so that I can be high on life without needing to be high on psilocybin? Um, Which as a little segue is also one of the things that makes it different from narcotics for instance If you do it again the next day, eh, it doesn't do much. Your tolerance for them grows very very quickly Plus, if your experience is quite intense like this, you'll not be like, "Oh, let me do that again tomorrow." You'll be like, "Let me chew on that for a while." Thank you. Right?
1: got a lot to process here. <laughs> yes. yeah.
0: So that's uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's a bunch of bunch of information right there. There were so many other things throughout that. This is since my burn. Then since that burnout, I, just, I try not to use it as an excuse, but I just like I can't grasp like six pieces of information and then. Reproduce them in order anymore. Again, wow. you know, it just doesn't happen. Mm. Like, there was another thing, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and and that eh, that's very good as well. Yeah. That's new as a recovering perfectionist. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's nice to be able to go like, and that's okay. Yeah, I don't remember the thing.
1: Meh. Yeah.
0: That's, well. Yeah. Well, as you were
1: talking, like you were, you were making the distinction between the feel of the word fix and the feel of the word explore and it's so funny because those are like this is like the cornerstone of how i want people to shift their perspective on movement which is it's not about fixing your body it's not about making it it do this yeah (laughs) or like sculpting it or like you know like make like beautifying Mm -hmm. it it's about being curious and explorative about what this vessel holds, what it can do, and like what that feels like. You know, just like, and for me, sensation is a big part of my work and and Mm -hmm. especially like following the feeling, you know, allowing yourself to follow the feelings of things that feel good, not being worried about what Mm -hmm. they look like, but but just having a totally different lens through which you perceive mm-hmm. movement and it's not to say any of the stuff that we do with our bodies is bad it's just we've worked it you know mm-hmm. similarly to like what's going on with some of these substances you work with with mm-hmm. your clients and your work it's um, mm-hmm. it's you have to have a certain amount of honor for them you know I don't think people really honor what weights. Do for your body or mm-hmm. what that kind of dynamic really holds there. Mm-hmm. I don't see people really honoring the practice of yoga anymore now that it's become like, you know, uptaken by mass media and it's popularized. I it mean it's great on many levels yeah. because it's more accessible, mm-hmm. but then what happens to the intent around it? And I just feel there's so much intentionality
0: mm-hmm. around.
1: Your work, your practice with yes. these substances, with people. And that's. I hear that the judgment off. Yes, yes. yes.
0: The judgment, yeah. the fixing. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. yeah.
1: Nail on the head.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're basically soul sisters.
1: I knew it when I asked it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's so great that there are so many ways that lead to wrong.
1: Yes. Days, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, there's so much available to us and it's an amazing time to be alive. It really is. Yeah. And I must say that, you know, I'm, I feel very, very fortunate that I had access to and the like presence of mine to be like, I want to do these things. Yeah, this yeah, feels yeah. good. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to connect to myself more, to connect to other people more, to, I don't know, like have it be a nicer experience to be me. Yeah,
1: right? I, I've i been recently realizing, uh, looking back, that the way I made choices growing up was so different from the way most people make choices, and I never really thought of myself in my past as somebody who was able to show up for myself, but now I'm like, I did a really great job, because any t- <laughs> anytime something, like, just didn't feel right i didn't do it and i would make choices that i could never rationally explain all the time simply because i had a feeling and that impulse was too strong and it didn't matter if i couldn't explain it to people like i just i'm gonna go i'm gonna go and i'll be fine uh and i look back at that it's like oh that's not that's not common and you know for so long i didn't see that I guess that little part of myself at work, chipping away at things, guiding me, leading me. Yeah. And the last month or so, I've, I've noticed it, I've seen it, and I've been able to really honor it, to use a yeah. you know, thematic word from our conversation.
0: <laughs> very cool. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reclaiming that happens, like that is quite unusual. And so for most people, it's very new. Be like, oh, my body can be like a good source of information. Hey, how <laughs> <laughs> like, my body stored all these things for me because I didn't know as a child that you know animals shake right when they go through something traumatic and they just shake it out of their mm-hmm. body immediately. Mm-hmm. People are either told not to do that, you know, it's like from a very young age, you're don't be weird, right? don't be fidgety, don't, sit still, yeah, sit. What is this? <laughs> anyway yeah and I'm reminded by what you said from of, of one of the, the segues I wanted to go on which is my friend Stephanie Kelly calls this um, uh, I don't hell yes or no
1: oh yeah yeah
0: and I used to be you apparently weren't but I used to be hell no or yes huh. it had to be a hard no and if I could, if it seemed even remotely interesting, if it seemed like I would help someone with it, if it seemed like, or if it fit in my calendar, you know, mm-hmm. all those things, mm-hmm. which was crazy busy. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. Like, people got tired looking at all the blocks on my Google calendar. <laughs> <I can't>, why? <laughs> um, uh, but it, yeah, if, if it fit, then I would do it. Mm. And now it's, I've. Try. I've been moving into. Thank you, body that sends non-optional signals <laughs> um, uh, to to do the the hell yes. It had better be a hell yes or it's a no. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And okay. you know, there's gradients. I'm trying not to be black and white either course, anymore, yeah. which is another wonderful thing for a perfectionist to feel into. Like, oh, there's all this whole country yeah. in between those two extremes of working really hard or collapsing. There's this whole <laughs> It's like, oh, you can do other gradients of that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Which felt totally impossible. Yeah. uh, When I started, when I started out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, hell yes or no.
1: Yes. I I don't know that mine ever was a hell yes. It was Mm -hmm. just like when an option presented itself, it it would just be like, this is the thing. Like, I can't explain it. Like, and everyone's like, but this doesn't make sense because X Y. Yeah. X, Y. I was like, but I can't just, I can't do that. Like, that's, yeah. it's going to be this thing. Yeah. I remember, um, yeah. like, even, even deciding as a college student where I was going to be working, deciding to go into personal training. Yeah. Uh, because I really wanted to be a dancer. Yeah. And then I was, like, looking at becoming a physical therapist yeah. because I wanted to be able to fix all my injuries. And And that was, those were the two things I was interested in how to like stop injuries from happening, how to make injuries preventable. Um, And then, then personal training came up and for me, it just made sense on so many levels because I got to be active. I got to continue to learn. I got to work with people with movement and, and then just like continue to expand like movement, but from the outside, it was like, well, you're not really a medical professional. You don't really have clout to be able to like help yeah, people with yeah. stuff. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a transition job, right? Like uh. nobody takes them seriously. And whereas now, personal training within fitness, it's like this whole other world that has so many arms and, yeah. you know, is in some ways because it's so young, it's so much more adaptable and because it it isn't, like, the same profession or caliber as something like law or medicine.
0: You can make it your
1: own. You show up as you, and then you draw in the
0: people that respond to that, that vibe with what you're bringing. You You have no institution locking you in. Yeah, Which is why I'm very happy that I'm not a therapist, for instance. Mm -hmm. Right? Especially here, if you're a therapist, you can't touch people. Sometimes it's just good to be able to hold someone's hand, you know, and be like, it's, you know. Okay. yeah and um, and so I don't you know there's a lot of things I don't have to worry about because of that and um, and fortunately it's uh, apparently bringing a lot of value to people the way mm-hmm. I am with them right so I, I, you know when I was when I was looking into gaining a little more validity by do, getting a psychology degree or something right and I was just like that's not how
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> that was me too It was like physical therapy like go to school around people who are stressed out freaked out and all trying to one-up each other with how many hours they're studying mm-hmm. need the perfect grades and i was like i already feel how sitting is killing my body like mm-hmm. i can't be sitting anymore mm-hmm. i can't i have to i can't be in school like i love learning but this isn't how i want to learn mm-hmm. and i got out and i'm so glad i did yeah.
0: <laughs> Plus, you know, the school system doesn't really account for kinesthetic learning, for, you know, it's basically it's just visual. Yeah. And that's that's what everything's uh, geared towards. Most things are geared towards. And I think if you, you know, we mentioned the word integration a couple of times as well. It's like this uh, mind-body-energy uh, connection, integration, all of those things is, is how we learn. Yes. Safety. Um, you know, watching others, um, getting feedback. Um, b- movement, in a way, is also like, what does this button do, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if I do this, how does it feel? Uh, <laughs> and, and muscle memory, obviously, and you know, all those
1: things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, there's some really interesting studies coming out that showcase like how movement can be used as a cool tool for cognitive development, for enhancing emotional intelligence. Like it is this thing that can like shift everything. It can shift everything. And I, and I think the more you allow yourself to be guided by it, like the more it offers you, which brings me to a question, actually actually. Uh, one of my favorite questions to ask people and And this is a very unique one in your case because English isn't your first language. Mm -hmm. But the word movement in English offers and holds space for so many things. It's a pretty big container. So if you want to take that word Mm -hmm. and then just give us what your definition of movement would be in whatever
0: way feels Mm -hmm. authentic to you. So... When you say that, the first image that comes up uh, in the context of my work, um, and it, this is probably going to be slightly different, is the uh, the move that people make often is from either um, being very much entrapped in their experience, their memory, or uh, or pushing it down, mm-hmm. which is also a wonderful thing. Right? <laughs> so, no. Um, to kind of popping out that's the move uh, um, in a way gaining a perspective that you can't if you stay there um, you can't gain that perspective okay you you, if you I don't know how to put that right now it's just a very beautiful thing that happens where people are able to um, be their own good parent probably mm. a better parent than they had yeah um, be like oh if this was my child that i love very much that had this experience what would i be able to say to them what would i do for them mm. so it's kind of that move it's one of the moves that people make um and that perspective can be very refreshing because also, the, this this kind of what it does is it, it's a move from judgment to compassion. Mm. Like, oh, I actually understand that this child started doing things this way. Of course. Wow, that sucked. Yeah. You know, of course you started doing this. It makes total sense. It's fine. It's okay. Um, and then when you drop back into that pattern, it's still okay. Of course. You've done it for years. It's okay. You're not gonna stop doing that, like that. Mm-hmm. Let me just see what it's like in there. Let's see. Um, so there's very many moves that people make in, a, in a, during an, an experience like this. Sometimes they're really taken on a journey, right? Because there's these, you know, things just pop up. Um, there's a lot of movement, if people close their eyes, there's a lot of movement that goes on behind your eyes. Right? Mm. And this is also very interesting in the, in the, uh, in with movement, is it's not really a definition that I'm giving, I'm just kind of jiving. No, right? that's, keep it going, but, uh, I love it. People can lay still for hours, they can lay still for hours on my couch, and they have like an eye mask on, but internally so much is moving, right? It's just people have expressed things like, "Oh, this stuff is kind of like just like going through my body and fixing things, and healing things. It's <laughs> wow. just like I don't even have to do anything. It's it knows where to go. It's like this mm-hmm. is really kind of weird and beautiful, or um, you know. So I'm just kind of going through types of motions that happens. People have have literal movements of taking embodying a certain thing, and then going elsewhere and kind of embodying what that's like and, and feeling into, Oh, when I do this, that's actually my mother. And when I do that, it's actually my father. It's not me. Mm. Oh, what do I feel like? Like, I don't know who I am. If I'm not those things, oh, how that's, that's a little freaky. Uh, what, what, what do I do now? So there's also a lot of, um, movements that is different from normal consciousness. Because you, it can actually be that the movement is to not move, right? It's not towards something or away from something. It's with what's here, mm-hmm. with what's real, and not trying to do anything with it, manipulate it, whatever. Just sit there and let it impact you and see the, the truth of it. Wow. Um, I can feel, you know, I have a sense with you as well that we're getting... St- more still as that, to talk about that. Yeah.
1: That's so, a profound,
0: yeah.
1: like I've never heard somebody describe it in that way, and that actually makes me really excited because mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I struggled to do in my self-development was actually go into stillness yeah. because I relied on movement to feel good my whole life, which is a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful journey. But then I had so much fear around not moving, Uh, fear that had built up from trauma around injuries and like my identity being stripped from me and that. So then to sit down on a meditation cushion and be still felt like hell. Um, Not because the discomfort of it, but just it was such a different world. But... It's like it was exactly that experience you're saying. You're not moving from anything, you're not moving towards anything, you're moving with mm-hmm. what is already there. Uh, and now you know, like I, I, I love my meditation practice. I'm so glad I was yeah. able to see outside of myself enough to recognize that this thing that I seem to not want to do is probably something that's yeah. knocking on the, the door, like yeah. behind yeah. my subconscious saying, Hey. I've got some, I've got some stuff for you, like, you made, <laughs> kind maybe, of open up.
0: <laughs> maybe I'm different than you've made me out mm-hmm. to be. Just because there's these couple of things that look slightly the same as that traumatic thing that you don't want anymore, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that's all of me. Mm-hmm. And so there's this reevaluation as well, the truth of is that actually what it's like? Mm-hmm. When I sit still, is it actually the same as when I was injured and couldn't?
1: Move? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm even just thinking, like, that's really what I'm asking people to do when I'm asking them to move however they want. It's not to move to create something. It's not for a result. It's not for a perfect purpose, purpose. It's just for you in that moment. And that's, it's so funny because that's something that's so difficult to get people to do. I see it when I teach and I'm working with groups and I will be hamming it up so hard, like being the ridiculous goofball to like give people the freedom to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm yelling the whole time because I know that like, my energy is what's going to carry people. And from my vantage point, I feel like people are like not doing anything. Like I'm not getting through to them. And then after every one of these classes, people come up to me like, this was so good. I had so much fun. I, like this is like better than therapy. Like this is like, I'm, I'm getting healed here, you know? And it's so funny because me, I'm like, I, I, I immediately have judgment around yeah. what it's supposed to look like. But I'm always humbled after that. Like I don't know like what someone letting go looks like today. Mm. It may be such a small shift from my end, but so monumental from theirs. And uh, I'm always grateful for those reminders, of Mm. you know, like just making the space and giving the permission and being the guide Mm. and and then allowing the rest to fall into place, you know, being with it, moving Mm. with it. Yeah. Nice. That was so good! There <laughs> I am. That was awesome. one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, really? So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we going to go next with this? So I do have a couple of other questions, but I think what I'm really interested in
0: mm-hmm.
1: is what your work actually looks like. So if yes. you could take us through an example of, of anybody who might actually be interested in yeah. what you have to offer, yeah. what would the steps be? What do yeah. those sessions actually break down into, and the integration
0: afterward, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's kind of hard to do that, so I'll do as broad strokes as I can, mm-hmm. and, that, and also say that I uh, there's, there's people that do this in the Netherlands that work differently, that work in groups, uh, for instance, that do retreats, uh, weekends, those kinds of things. And for me, it's, it's a one-on-one thing all day. I'm with you and nobody else um and we're done when we're done right Mm -hmm. the the intake basically is about who are you what's your background um what are the themes you're uh, you're you're grappling with in your life currently let's see maybe a little bit sticky or that, you know, you, you understand, but they're not changing. <laughs> it's another little mm-hmm. shortcoming of the mind, right? <laughs> this whole mind over matter thing. I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't work, does it? So um, we just kind of talk about that. We check off any contraindications to make sure that none of those things um, are going to you know, m- make the situation not as great as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um. We talk about intention and um, during the day itself we just kind of hang out mm-hmm. with whatever shows up. And so when I I call myself a guide, but it's again not because we're going towards something or away from something, but because we're going in and down deeper into what shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes the guidance is well. I understand that you want to go away from this, but what what happens if we don't? Mm-hmm. Can you meet this in a different way? Does it have you know? I know I understand that this might seem difficult, but let's, can we hang out here for a second? Um, and that looks differently for everybody. Um, what their thing is. Um, what it, once it was just resistance like I feel a lot of resistance to going into this like cool let's let's chat with resistance then mm. which was huge it's mm. one of those things that we can really judge like why am I resisting this is in your level ask it yeah <laughs> maybe sit with it for one, a moment yeah then. one of my tricks of the trade and you can apply this to anything if you want to is these rhetorical questions we ask ourselves. Why do I do this? Why is this keep mm-hmm. happening? See if you can ask it in a non-exasperated but actually curious way. Mm. <laughs> be like, actually, why do I keep doing that? There must be a reason. Mm. Right? Totally different. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally the same words, but the energy is very, very different. So that's something that I help people do mm. if they're not used to doing that themselves yet and hold that pole for a second and be like, hey, let's see if you can practice with this. So that's what, towards the end, we start with that integration by what I call translation of the experience into your day-to-day life. You know, the next conversation you're going to have with your boss. What do you want to take with you? What could that practically look like? What kind of image would be helpful in Mm -hmm. that moment? Whatever. So it's very personal. It's very practical. Because mm-hmm. uh, in in my world and in my experience, that's what makes the difference in the integration for prolonged, sustained positive impact mm-hmm. on your life. What are those neural networks, new neural pathways that that you want to practice with? Mm-hmm. So that's the translation that we go into. People receive audios of the day, so you don't have to remember anything. Um, I write some. I write up reports report of things that stood out and uh, things that you have said that were very cool mm-hmm. um, and um, a couple of weeks after you just kind of go on your way and practice those things and see what shifts things that we've like consciously talked about and other things as well usually people notice like oh there's this other thing like we didn't even talk about it but it's totally different now and I don't do this anymore and, and somebody described it as a, like they're in a time machine where they See themselves doing the thing they used to do, mm-hmm. and they just don't do it. And they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> this is trippy! <laughs> like I'm right back in the trip. This oh, is crazy. How did wow. that happen?" So it's kind of—it's so wonderful to talk to people a couple of weeks afterwards for the integration session and be like, "So what's life been like since then?" Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's struggles, there's difficulties, um, and and. Uh, usually people describe, like, yeah, it's not gone, but I I am with it in such a different way. Mm. Um, that it doesn't seem to have that same kind of heaviness or, um, yeah. I mean, I can give loads and loads of examples of, of really quite amazing things that have shifted for people. Um, Maybe pick one. I would love to hear. Yeah. Um, It's one that's very close to my heart because I recognize, well, you know, like I said about the vibe thing, Mm -hmm. like if you show up as yourself, people will vibe with you. I get a lot of the the perfectionist people, Mm. right? Because they understand that I understand. Yeah. Um, And there was this girl who um, needed to read like five newspapers a day to keep up to date with everything mm. and still that wasn't kind of enough right because she would still miss news um, and there was that was just one of the things on her list of things to do every day um, and we didn't really talk about it that much but she was just kind of like eh. <laughs> I don't really have to do that anymore she said yeah I really want to travel but I feel like I have to look for a job And she's, and then afterwards she said, but actually my boyfriend is very willing to support me. He wants to do that. He wants to let me travel. Mm -hmm. Why don't I allow him to do that? Why don't I allow that gift to myself? I think so she booked a couple of tickets and she's going to travel. So it's also an allowing in of the thing that is there and going, actually, maybe I'm worth that. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. it's okay if I'm not productive for a while longer
1: yeah, and that.
0: actually take care of me. How productive is that? Mm-hmm. Right? And um, yeah, just allowing yourself to not do the things that don't feel good anymore. You know, there's all these, there's a tightness, there's a way we hold ourselves like, I can't do this. This is not okay. Yeah. I gotta yeah. be in a certain way. Da-da-da. And people seem to relax a lot. You know, it's interesting.
1: The journey around, like, do not doing what doesn't feel good for a while is very confusing to me because, I like, there were things I loved that did feel good, but then I was also trying to achieve certain things, yeah. and you, you're bred to believe in the achievement of those things, whether it is a specific job or wealth mm-hmm. or even building your dream business, mm-hmm. you know, or. or or starting your own thing on your own, Mm. which is the position I was in, that you're going to have to like, you know, swallow the bad tasting medicine and do the things you don't want to do. And uh, Mm -hmm. I recently just kind of realized like how that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have so much in our world, uh, especially around people being innovators and creating things about like how you're going to have to like, there are going to be hard moments, but There's actually a very significant difference in taking on something that's challenging when it is still in alignment and in service of that good feeling versus pushing yourself in a place that doesn't feel good because you think it's going to take you there. And it's been such a eye opener to finally feel and know that distinction because, uh, you know, the last three years were really rough. Transitory period for me mm-hmm. where I was I was trying to step more into like my authenticity and myself and and my interests. Mm-hmm. But the whole way to getting there, I was I was just going towards a lot of things that promised that feeling. And yeah. uh, now I'm finally I finally given myself permission and given myself the freedom to only tap into things that I wholeheartedly love. And yeah. you know, hell yes. So if it doesn't have that, right, I won't do it. But then there are some things that are hard, but there's still an excitement, like a curiosity, like, ooh, what's behind this door? You know, but the idea of things being hard, it's kind of dissipated, like it doesn't even really exist anymore.
0: Oh Yeah, there's this like almost scientific thing of input equals output, right? Things have to be hard work or something. And it's just... It was one of the things that took me a long time to kind of um, disengage from. That wasn't hard at all, and it was fun, and it was helpful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those things that I needed to do when you talk about, you know, how do you do your work and what do you decide to do and what brings excitement? This whole emancipation of actually... I have X amount of energy in a day. I need to do something that is not going to ask of me to use more than that. Mm-hmm. It's, that is not going to ask of me to check half of myself or more at the door. I need, I owe it to myself. So there was this, it's been ringing through my mind the entire time, but now it's coming out finally is enoughness. Mm. You know, I don't need to do this thing to then be enough. Mm-hmm. I start from a place of enough. Mm. And that is something that is really a lot easier to access with a substance like this. Like, people can do it in other ways. People reach that place in other ways. But it's, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm even when on the outside things don't look really that differently. If you start from a place of, ah, I'm enough, and then I want to do this, or then it's good if I also do this, fine. Um, but it, I don't, I don't have to in order to be worthy. Yes. Yeah.
1: And that ability to connect to a feeling mm. before the things around you have shifted yeah. dis- determines whether or not things will shift. So if you can't even access the feeling yeah. of enoughness, as yeah. you put it, or the feeling of I am enough, I am whole, I have "I have ev- all the resources I need within mm-hmm. me. If you don't know that feeling, mm-hmm. you will never operate. You will never be able to connect to that. You will never be able to make decisions from that. There's, you know, that I realize like people always, in movement especially, what they're really looking for is the freedom to be themselves. But they don't allow themselves the the moment to tap into that
0: freedom yeah Yeah. when it happens they freak out yeah
1: it's like it's like all right so i'm gonna like right now we're gonna move and you're gonna do whatever you want like whatever and everyone was like like, paralyzed and they just shut down it's like but no give me the move give (laughs) give me the give me the job instruct me, tell me what it's supposed to look like yeah um and i just that was the thing meditation gave me. That was the gift of stillness, right? The ability to start tapping into that feeling and to learn how to generate the feeling before yeah. finding the experience. And the irony is this is like the time told cliche yeah. of like law of attraction, but it's yeah. me- happened so many times now. Like if you if you're able to embody and live in the feeling, the experience comes and finds yeah. you.
0: Yeah. yeah. What is it they say? Like embody the feeling, but also take, take small actions. Mm-hmm. There's this saying I keep repeating to people. "Is like if you, as a perfectionist, this was like, I don't, this does not compute. Um, <laughs> it's if you hang a painting every day, you have a museum in a year. Yes, yes. And um, I really, it's been really helpful. It's like, if I just do this one thing today, maybe that's okay. And then if I keep doing this one thing every day, my life will look really different in a year. If I keep telling myself, no, I need to like do it perfectly or not at all. I'm going to be in the exact same place, except Mm -hmm. more miserable in a year Mm -hmm. because I still haven't done the freaking thing. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, so or the, you know, one another way of saying that, which I think is comes from the American military. Interestingly enough, is uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast.
1: Oh my gosh, that actually came from a training workshop I went yeah. through uh, for Indian uh, Indian club swinging. Which as you do, like <laughs> um, but they're 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 like now very popular as like decorative objects. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like a very old. Like these wooden like clubs, you always think they're juggling pins. Mm-hmm. They're not. But it's like this movement method, and they always say like, uh, what did, "Did you say smooth?" "Slow is smooth." "Slow is smooth." "Smooth is fast." Yes, yeah. So like the whole the whole thing was to have smooth slow strokes, smooth slow. If you couldn't do the smooth yeah. slow, you didn't have anything. Yeah, I love that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So. One final question, then we're going to wrap things up. What would you say has been the greatest gift that movement has given you? And you can use Let me,
0: move. So let any, me move and it, see what the answer context. what answer comes up. <laughs> um, I guess movement is a, is a realization of life. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not moving, you're dead, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, movement has has given me perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, that that scene from uh, Dead Poet Society comes up, you know, where he's like, stand on the desk. And yeah. Looks different, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, like when you get stuck, I've I've been realizing. I'm talking about cliches it's stuck, move <laughs> like you feel and I, I used to go into this like very like thing right it's not a good, it's not nice but it, it, it didn't even register that it wasn't nice because it was the thing and now um, yeah what, what movement has given me is the realization that actually if i move from that place things go things go more smoothly it more efficiently mm. Do, you know like can in the definition of insanity right yeah keep doing the same thing but expecting a different outcome like I keep doing this and hope and thinking that it'll get whatever the thing is done and it it really does yeah you know, it's just enough of a success rate to keep me going. <laughs>
1: That little like, crop. It worked three times, so I'm just. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah, I love that the perspective and the fact that it's just like if you don't like what's happening, then move. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like you're out of trees, and that's yeah, but yeah. it's it's like you know allowing right, yeah. whether it's allowing it to let go, allowing it to flow through, yeah. allowing yourself to be in it. Yeah. Um, Allowing the noticing
0: of like, oh, I'm actually really stiff, and I'm frowning. Mm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what I want? So choicefulness as well. Yeah. If I move this way, it feels good, so I'll do more of it. Oh, this doesn't actually feel good, so I'll do something different.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love that.
0: Mm.
1: So, as we wrap things up here, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom? Oh gosh. that you like to leave. No pressure. <laughs> well, you know, I always find that this is a fun question. People tend to go, like, oh my God, but, but everyone yeah. always has like a really beautiful, yeah. honest answer in the moment. You know, so just like in context of things you've talked about, yeah. maybe something you didn't get to
0: share yet. I mm. guess what I'm left with is just an appreciation that it's my job to have meaningful connections and conversations with people mm-hmm. um, and how how amazing that is and allowing myself to move and experiment is what made that possible. Mm-hmm. So, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for your beautiful questions oh, and thank you. Yeah,
1: so, so wonderful so mm-hmm. for our listeners if anybody's like I need a session with me from <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes
0: exactly yes um I'll list this on the show notes yeah. so you can give us the verbal so the website is guidedtripping.com com, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff about psychedelics in general because I think you know even if people aren't able to come to Amsterdam and you do want to explore this topic I've been writing an ebook that's Hopefully, finally getting published very soon, which is called uh, Tripping for Growth 101. Ooh. So, if you wanna, if you're not able to um, have someone professionally guide you, then you know at least there's um, some pointers there to keep you out of trouble and in, in make the potential for for a growthful experience as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, there's stuff about my team um, and yeah, the, the other guides that are working uh, working with me, um, and general information and how we work, yeah, all that kind of stuff. The, good, the goodies um, and other and other companies as well and, and organizations that do these retreats and other things. So if that's more your cup of tea, great
1: great and do you have any social media that you post regularly on
0: oh, I've been trying to do the Instagram thing but it's uh, if it's not for you yeah uh, Right. but so but guided tripping you can find both on Facebook and on Instagram um, and uh, there's a blog ah <gasps> great yes. great so I'll be sure to include all of that thank, thank you. you thank you
1: so much Ryan this is mm-hmm. so wonderful Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.